0: All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Stand in awe and sin not. Psalm 44 4. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Higion selah. Psalm 9 and verse 16. In your Bibles, in the first chapter of Romans, let me read to you verses 18 through 28. Without much reference to them, let me repeat by reading verses 18 through 23, because they lay the foundation as to why we have a wherefore, opening up verse 24. This is the word of the Lord in the New Testament, declaring the wrath and judgment and character of God against wicked men who do not give him his rightful glory, nor do they thank him for his benevolent goodness. And getting puffed up with pride, they profess themselves to be wise, reject his knowledge, and create their own religions based on images instead of the incorruptibly glorious Creator God. Who is blessed forever. Amen. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. For because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, They glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, And worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. 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 For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Amen and amen. This is the word of the Lord. By His will, we shall take up verses 28 through 32 Next, Lord's Day. Verse 28 is a transitional verse. From the judgment of God described in verses 24 through 28 to the list of other sins that God connects to sodomy in verses 28 through 32. Lest you misunderstand me this day, the sins contained in 29 through 32 are by association by the God of heaven. Equally sufficient to damn your soul eternally, right along with sodomy. Lest I be misunderstood if it weren't for the grace of God and Him holding our souls in life and Him putting a hedge about us and holding us by His power, any one of you or I am capable of being a sodomite. It is by God's grace. We do not profess ourselves to be better That's right. by nature. But we do profess ourselves to be better by grace. Amen. Because He has chosen us to be His children. And we despise His enemies. And we hate with perfect hatred those that hate Him. Amen. Including sodomites. And we shall not mince too many words today. Because I wouldn't want you to miss the marvelous works of our great God contained in these five verses. It is a shame that they are not preached in very many places. Even in ultra-conservative pulpits, there are precious few that will preach passages like this without holding back. But this is the truth of God's Word. And when you read your newspapers where they are frequently mentioned in our generation, and when you turn on your television where you have to see them, and when you look in the internet and you have to read about them, and you see them on the streets, and you hear about their rallies and their demonstrations, and you read about the legislation to protect them, and you, and you find out about the entertainment to promote them, let you remember that there's a God in heaven, and He looks at all of it, as a gigantic laugh and joke on them because he has put them to a perpetual shame and he has humiliated them and he has brought them to dishonor their own bodies by the kinkiest, most perverse, dirtiest, grossest form of sex possible between humans. Verse 24. Wherefore? To help us understand, I often say to you, because I want you to automatically think it when you're reading. When you find a therefore, you should ask, what is the therefore there for? Because a therefore is drawing a conclusion from something that has been said previously. Therefore is a very important word, but so is its cousin, wherefore. Wherefore should be, we should ask, what is the wherefore Therefore, Because the wherefore is drawing a conclusion and consequences to what has been stated in verses 18 through 23. In verses 18 through 23, God has shown us that the human race was shown that He exists with eternal power and a Godhead by His natural creation. It was so clearly presented to them that they all were capable of knowing it and understanding it. But when they had that understanding of the truth of God's existence, they rejected it. They did not give Him the glory that was due the Creator of this heavens and earth. They were not thankful for the goodness that that Creator had shown them in their lives. They professed themselves to be wise, wiser than God, that they could make up their own religion, and they put the glory in their religion onto an image Sometimes appearing like a man by their craftsmen, sometimes like birds, sometimes like beasts, and at other times like insects or bugs, or as the passage describes it in the inspired words, creeping things. Creepy crawlers. They worshipped bugs. They started with men, they degenerated to birds, they went further to beasts, and then to bugs. Because they did that, we have verses 24 through 28. Verse 24 begins with a wherefore to connect us to that. Let me make something very clear. The God of the Bible, the creator God of the heavens and the earth, the God I serve, though entirely unworthy of it, is a dreadful and terrible sovereign of his creatures and it should make perfectly good sense to you if in his opinion the best description he can make is that he is the potter and you are the clay that he can do whatever he wants to with what he makes the same thing you would do if you sat down at a spinning wheel with some wet mud in front of you that was rotating around If you didn't like what you made in the first attempt, you could throw it against the wall, take your bucket over there, scrape it off and let it fall in the bucket, add some water and put it back on your wheel. You know that. You would be the potter and mud would be the clay. God is the potter and we are the clay. Romans chapter 9, verses 15 through 24, if you want the full load and burden of the passage. Our God is a terrible and dreadful God. And he is going to make it very clear because he doesn't want you to miss what I'm presenting this morning. If you think for a minute that I am magnifying five mere verses from the Bible and making them weightier against the testimony of the rest of Scripture, you haven't read your Bible. Right. These five verses are illustrated repeatedly in the Old Testament. Amen. These five verses are illustrated in the New Testament. But the point I want to make right now, lest I be misunderstood or misquoted or you walk away not understanding, is this. He wants you to know, by repeating Himself three times in this passage right now that we're going to consider today, that He is a dreadful and terrible sovereign over His creatures, and that His judgment is blinding, hardening giving over and rewiring men so that they do things that are contrary to the innate, natural instincts of the human race in order to humiliate and shame them. Three times. Verse 24. God also gave them up. God gave them up. God is the subject God is acting upon men. God is doing something to them. God gave them up to uncleanness. That is sexual depravity. As the context should make rather clear. And as reading the Bible will make clear about the word uncleanness. It is a broad catch-all term For sexual depravity, sexual sin, sexual deviation. Compare it in your Bibles to the word filthiness, which is used in other contexts for the same sense and intent. God also gave them up. I am making a point of what God wants you to know by repeating Himself three times. Then look at verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up. See, He's repeating Himself because it's something that isn't preached. There is a form of godliness today, my dear brethren. Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul told Timothy by prophecy that there would arise an effeminate, compromising, carnal, worldly, let me repeat, effeminate form of Christianity that would have a form of godliness but would deny the power thereof. That is the authority of God over his creatures. And so I am restating it today the way that He restated it so that you will never forget it. This is the truth of God's Word, and this is the truth of how our universe is governed. By a glorious, holy, perfect, righteous, upright, benevolent being. But He is holy, and therefore He judges sin ferociously. He is jealous of His glory. And if you mess around with His glory... He'll have you backing up to someone. Give Him glory in your life. Praise Him. Thank Him for His Son that's outside our windows shining so brightly this day. And thank Him for His Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who in the Bible is called the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness, because God wants you to make the connection just for a moment. Because as glorious as that is, His Son is more glorious But there's some similarities there. You can't look at that one and you won't be able to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll fall at His feet as dead. Because He shines as the sun in His strength, according to the testimony of Scripture. I want the third witness from our passage. It's verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. So right off the bat, we want to learn something by the second word of our 24th verse. Wherefore God, God is the subject. God is the operator. God is the one doing something. And what God is doing is he's giving up men to de- depraved conduct, uncleanness in verse 24, depraved conduct, vile affections, verse 26. Depraved conduct, a reprobate mind, verse 28, three times. This is no obscure, indirect mention of a subject. This is a very plain, express declaration of the character of God. And the Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth, which is why I began this sermon and why we read Psalm 9 earlier in this assembly because the lord wants you to understand he is known by the judgment which he executeth the terrible and dreadful god repeated his judgment of blinding hardening giving over and rewiring men so that you will not miss the sovereign horror of his judgment and brethren if he hadn't saved us by his grace we'd be stooping with the rest of them That's right. amen Pretending that we're dogs and swine. Except dogs and swine don't do it. The second thing I want to make perfectly clear is that God never judges without cause. Men are guilty before Him. And He is going to restate that over and over so that you will not be confused that what He is doing is perfectly fair, just, righteous, and holy. He restates it three times that he is righteous in what we're about to read. He states it first in verses 18 through 23, which I've already referred to. We've already preached it. I shouldn't need to repeat it to you at all. Verses 18 through 23, God has revealed himself to men that he, he has eternal power and a Godhead. They rejected that knowledge. They would not give him glory. They would not be thankful. They held the truth in unrighteousness, and they gave the glory instead to images They invented idolatry to replace the God of heaven. That was verses 18 through 23, which I preached last Lord's Day. Statement number one about their guilt. He made it so clear that they are without excuse. It was clearly understood because he revealed so much that there was a God in heaven far greater than anything they could make with their hands. And throughout his Old Testament, he ridicules the idea of forming something by a man who gets tired while he's forming it, and then you worship that thing. Indictment number one, 18 through 23. Indictment number two, restated for the second time in verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Amen. We have 25, almost in a redundant way, restating verses 18 through 23. The truth of verse 25 is creation truth. The truth that is mentioned in verse 18. The knowledge that was communicated in verses 19 through 21. Third time... Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, there's the third indictment of the human race. They didn't want to remember God. When they did understand that there must be a creator of this universe, they would not retain that knowledge. They changed the truth of God into a lie and got rid of the thought. They kept pushing it out of their mind. They would not retain the idea of a creator. They had to get rid of a creator. The third indictment. Therefore, our God, who is dreadful and terrible and who is sovereign with horrible judgment on his enemies, shows us clearly by three repetitions that men are guilty before him of a heinous crime of not glorifying their creator. They are mud that jumps up out of its tail and curses the potter. And so we have Romans 1, through 28. Wherefore, God also. That adverb is there to tell you that there's already been a judgment hinted at in the previous verses. And if you read the word of God carefully, you can find it in the last few words of verse 21. Their foolish heart was darkened. When you have a combination of words, their foolish heart was darkened, that is the passive voice of the verb to darken. Passive voice means that there is another being that is doing the darkening of those that are in the passage. They are not doing the darkening. The darkening is being done to them. The Bible well knows the difference between the active voice and the passive voice. If it was the active voice, it would be read something entirely different. And they made themselves dark. Or they chose darkness. But it doesn't say that. It says their foolish heart... Was darkened. Heart is singular because it's a collective noun in this passage talking about the hearts of the human race. The Bible knows the difference between active voice and passive voice. If it was active voice in these, in this clause, then it would be men doing something. It's passive voice because it's God doing something to men. I'm not going to turn you there, but I believe you know that in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 9, the Apostle Paul makes a doctrinal argument on the passive voice against the active voice in being known of God. He tells the Galatians that they should be thankful and rejoice because they know God. But then he says, Yea, rather, that ye are known of Him. Because what really counts is that God knows us Not that we know God. Paul makes an argument from the difference between the active voice and the passive voice. I want you to know the passive voice in the last part of verse 21 is telling us that when men reject the knowledge of God, don't give Him glory, and they're not thankful, but they start to let their imaginations run wild, God begins His blinding process so that they will bow down to an idol, never realizing that they have a lie in their right hand that they cannot let go of. I'm quoting from Isaiah 44, verses 19 and 20. When men worship a totem pole or a little statue that they have formed themselves and paid a few bucks for, God knows that is so ridiculous, and so do you, and so do they, before God darkened their hearts. They know it's ridiculous. It's obviously ridiculous. But because they would not give God glory, they weren't thankful and they started to let their vain imaginations run wild. I'm in verse 21. God then begins the darkening process of their hearts, so they profess themselves to be wise and bow down to something they made. And if you read, if you read Isaiah 44, it will bless you by God ridiculing such men and the, the terrible crime of idolatry. What was all that for? The third word of verse 24. It's also... It means there's two things being compared. Also, it's an adverb, meaning this judgment is sort of like the other judgment. This is the second one in the passage. Wherefore, God also, not only did He blind and darken their hearts so that they would turn to idolatry once they rejected Him and bow down to a piece of stone, He then went a step further. He rewired their minds sexually Praise His glorious name. I love Him. I love the God of the Bible. I rejoice at reading about all the Twinkies in the world. And all the faggots. Because it's a proper judgment upon a nation that has forsaken God and said that we come from monkeys. And that the universe and its beauty and its glory and its orderliness and its reproductive capability is the result of a big bang? While it, was evol- while it was evolving, reproductive ability, how did it make it to the second generation? Good. Those idiots, God has completely blinded their minds and their hearts and given them over to a reprobate mind. But the passage is teaching us something different than that. It's teaching us He rewired them sexually. He's gonna make them crawl like dogs. He's gonna make them mount each other like dogs. And like pigs, there are orifices in your body, and what the the purpose for those orifices are known by all men, except God rewires them so they don't know what those orifices are. You can thank me later for being kind to your children right now by using the word orifice. The blessed God of heaven, the Lord is known with a judgment which He executeth. They don't want to give Him glory. He'll take away glory from men and cause them to do something incredibly inglorious. They don't want to give Him honor. He will cause them to dishonor their bodies between themselves as the verse plainly teaches. He will rewire them sexually. All the great God of heaven has to do is by the exercise of His will. A wire in your brain is pulled out of its wire nut. Another wire in your brain is popped out of another wire nut. They are put together together. And a third wire nut twists them together. And there's a little spark there. And then all of a sudden, you want a man. You want a man and find his anal cavity for you. You want a man to do something totally contrary to nature. Right. God has placed within men an innate, natural, powerful, basic instinct of wanting a woman. But God rewires men... Because they would not give Him glory, and they would bow down to idols and give the glory of the glorious God to images made like to birds and bugs. He therefore will rewire them sexually with a very specific intent, to humiliate and shame them. And don't we all know that just a few years ago, sodomy was considered, and by the way, that's the name of it. It's always been the name of it. Because it's the sin of the inhabitants of a city named Sodom. To sodomize is to use the wrong orifice. Look it up. It's always been sodomy. We live in a generation that is euphemistic and effeminate and compromising and rebels against God. There is nothing gay about using that orifice It is not gay. It's vile. It's an abomination. It's grievous. It's dishonoring. It's contrary to nature. It's unseemly. Those are words from this passage. Everyone knew that. But we have an educational combine. An entertainment combine. A news media. And a political agenda by which all four pound us daily, that sodomy is the gay lifestyle, it's just an alternative way of living, and they should be accepted readily right along with anyone else. You know that. We're being barraged with it and pounded with it and bombarded with it every day. But we must raise our voices and preach the Word of God as far as the Word of God goes and no further, but as far as the Word of God goes and no less. Let me say this. There is a website that is the most heavily trafficked religious website in the world of a little Baptist church much smaller than ours. And we are nothing like them. And though they hold our doctrine, I repudiate them. That website is www.godhatesfags.com. Com. It has more traffic than the next several religious websites put together. The man who runs it is a genius. He's a lawyer. He's old now, and he was trained at Bob Jones University. He was a colleague of Billy Graham's. Billy went one way to Pope worship. And this man went the other direction to faggot demonstrations. Wherever there is anything happening in the world in the way of some faggot being protected, legislation being passed, someone being honored, a parade, they are there from their church, three, five, seven of them, demonstrating. All of that being said, for me to say this again, I repudiate that. That is not what God called His ministers to do, and so we don't do it. All we're going to do is declare the whole counsel of God from His Bible. We don't care what the world does. Our God is going to have the last laugh on the world. We are not going to go out there and demonstrate like they do. We are not going to rail on our president and on our government with the vile railing that is all over that website. Vile railing, but neither will we back off of Romans 1.24. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. Uncleanness is a catch-all phrase for sexual sins and sexual deviation. You can find it elsewhere in the Bible. I don't have the time to turn you there, and I don't think you have any problem with accepting that as an assumption for you to go check out in your Bibles. Paul's chief aim here is to introduce the sexual depravity that God gives men over to, which he's going to explain in much greater detail in verses 26 and 27. Right here, he just calls it uncleanness, because he's trying to get your attention with the fact that God is the operator, and man is the one being operated upon. And brethren, I am declaring something that is so unpopular today. It is rejected in almost all circles, but it is the truth of God's word. There are churches in this nation today, mainline Protestant denominations, that ordain faggots, sodomites. Faggot is a street word for a sodomite. It's the only word the guys in my high school knew when I went to high school, and I'm only 52 years old. Thirty-four years ago, I would like to have seen one of them come out of the closet in our high school. He wouldn't have had anything left to work into any orifice. They were queers. They were fairies. They were Twinkies. And they're everywhere now. And they're protected. And they're promoted. And they're legislated for. And they marry. And they adopt. And they get sex change operations and they do all sorts of abominable perverse, perversities for one reason. God is judging America. God is judging America. You can't pray in our school system, unless it's to Allah, or Satan, or you're a pagan. You can't have the Ten Commandments from the Bible in our school system. We will show lesbian couples in entertainment forms, in movies, and serials. We will legislate protection for same-sex marriages. We will popularize transvestites being married and having children. And so God has rewired the nation. God has given over our nation, and it's everywhere everywhere. In just a few years, because it was just a few years ago when they said, no prayer, no ten commandments, get rid of God and evolution must be taught in the schools and creation goes out. What word went out the window? Just, I, I want to make things plain. If I don't make plain, I'm a failure as your pastor. Right. What did they throw out? Creation science. Would you say, would you say that word again in your mind? Creation. You mean they wanted to get rid of the creator? Is that the context of Romans chapter 1? Verse 20? Verse 21? Verse 25? Creation is the context. They got rid of a creator? He smiled in the heavens. He shall laugh and have them in derision. You little boys are going to bow to each other. You're going to back up to each other like dogs in heat. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. God doesn't have to infuse evil desires or ideas because your flesh, the devil, and the world has more than enough to supply all the depraved ambitions, cravings, and inventions for perversity. Did you understand that long sentence? God doesn't have to put evil desires or lusts into your heart because they're already there. And God does not do that. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Though I am preaching that God is the operator in verses 24, 26, and 28. He does not infuse men with evil desires. They're already there. Your flesh has enough of their own that if He pulls off the restraint and He's restraining all men every day. Surely, listen to the verse, surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. No matter how angry men get against God, surely, without a doubt, in every case, the wrath of man shall praise thee. And the remainder of wrath thou shalt restrain. That is Psalm 76, verse 10. God restrains... The wickedness of man. And so whatever you see is something God has chosen to release. And if God ever released you, you would do anything. And praise His glorious name, He doesn't release us. He released Hezekiah once. A great king. The Bible tells us, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 31. He left Hezekiah to show him all that was in his heart. And Hezekiah immediately committed a crime with the ambassadors from Babylon by showing them the treasures of the Lord's house. God left David one time, more than once. But God left David once that we're told of, and David immediately called for Joab to number Israel, and David knew that you were to never number the nation of Israel, because that was a commandment from the law of Moses. Do you think David relied on numbers? David went and ran to meet Goliath by himself and he took five stones hoping that Goliath's four brothers would show up for the fight. They're listed by name in the Bible. Do you think he cared about numbers? Why all of a sudden did he care about numbers? The Bible tells us. God had an occasion against Israel and so he rewired David for once by letting go of him and letting the devil have him. And immediately, Joab, get in here. I want to know how big our army is. Immediately. Immediately. You know what? The God of heaven knew that all he would have to do, just pull back and let Satan have him. Of course, Satan didn't tell him to go bow down to ISIS in Egypt because the Lord restrained everything except one point. Number Israel. Do you think David had within his natural heart a little bit of pride of wanting to see how big his army was? Of course. Every boy in America loves to get the almanac and see how many men are in our army compared to the army in China. Now you just don't know how many Twinkies are in the army. You know, when I grew up, there weren't Twinkies in the army. The same thing would have happened to them or faster and a little bit better than would have happened at Dexter High School. I want to make very clear, James chapter 1 says, that God tempteth no man with evil, neither is God tempted with evil. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. That's a warning from Scripture that when we read a passage like this, God does not infuse evil ambitions or desires or lusts into the human heart because they're already there. And the devil will help stir them up. Like the devil stirred up Ahab and Jezebel to all the evil that they did, and the world is gonna give you a smorgasbord of options. So that you can take that depraved greediness for sexual depravity, and the Lord takes his arms off, his hands off, his merciful restraints off, and the world offers you a smorgasbord, and the devil stirs you up, you'll do anything. Let me show you how bad it gets. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Romans 1 isn't the only place this is taught. If anyone listening to this sermon thinks that we are picking on one passage, would you please go to our website and look up a document entitled, Is God the Author of Confusion? And there you can find maybe another hundred passages from the Bible that teach the very same thing. That God is in the business of confusing men's minds, of blinding their eyes, of hardening their hearts, and causing them to do things that they would otherwise never do. Because with the mind they had, they chose to reject the knowledge of God? He'll play with their minds. To humiliate them and shame them. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. We shouldn't be surprised. There's one author in the Bible, isn't there? The Holy Ghost. Amen. We shouldn't be surprised because the same writer wrote these words as the one that wrote Romans chapter 1, our beloved brother Paul. And, and brethren, Paul wasn't married because he was really a sodomite. Now, there are liberal churches that want you to believe that. They're the same liberal churches that want you to believe Jonathan. And David often pretended they were dogs. Because David said upon Jonathan's death, his love was greater to me than the love of women. That's just pointing out that women are the weaker sex. And that a woman couldn't do for him what Jonathan did for him in his life. The two of them were studs and stallions of the Israelite army. And they never messed with each other. David was married to Jonathan's sister. Do you know that there is a denomination, not a mainline Protestant denomination, but a denomination that's accepted in some circles called the Metropolitan Community Churches? There are approximately 250 of them in 23 countries around the world with a number of them in the United States. What is is the Metropolitan Community Church? It is a church made up of sodomites and transvestites. Go look them up. GCC. No, MCC. Metropolitan Community Church. Just stick those three letters into a Google search box and you can read about a denomination in our country that is filled and made up of open, practicing, unrepentant sodomites. I'm getting off track, but I don't care. I've had a dear friend that I've never met. Write and tell me, and I'm going to tell you enough about him so that he'll know that I'm talking of him, who lives in Idaho. Write and tell me, I love your rabbit trails. Because sometimes in your rabbit trails there's things that I rejoice in hearing. And I just gave you one of those rabbit trails about the Metropolitan Community Church. But we are at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened. Watch the wording. Gentiles, this is how they live. This is the lifestyle of Gentiles. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened is that active or passive verb. That's passive again with God being the operator. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Notice the description of the voracious appetite of these sexual deviants. Who being past feeling, they no longer have the feelings that God innately put in men. Their past feeling have given themselves over, God gave them over, then they just give themselves wholeheartedly to the pursuit of this madness. To lasciviousness. What is lasciviousness? Unbridled lust. Particularly sexual lust to work all uncleanness, there's that word again, sexual sins and sexual deviations, with greediness. They greedily, hungrily, cravingly give themselves over to pursue it with all their might. And that is the character of a sodomite. And if you don't think that's the character of a sodomite, I don't care if they raise 1,000 articles of so-called gay scientists or psychologists but say to the contrary, my trust is in the Word of God. In Ephesians 4.19 and in Genesis 19, that tells me the character of the men that circled Lot's house, trying to break the door down to get at the two angels that looked like men, new men, that were in that house. And even when God struck them with blindness, do you think they went home and repented? They continued feeling to try to get that door because they wanted those two men so bad. And if that isn't enough for you, then go to Judges chapter 19, which some of you read last night about the tribe of Benjamin in the church of God of the Old Testament. And the violence that they showed that night toward the Levites concubine. I don't care if so-called evolutionary scientists produce a thousand documents that the universe came from evolution. How much do you think it's going to move me? I hope, no more than it's going to move you. What if it's 10,000 documents? What if it's a million? What if it's two million? Is it going to change you? Genesis 1.1 1, 1, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Amen. Hebrews 11.3 Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Amen. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I understand it. I know it. I believe it. It doesn't matter what those idiots say. Listen, those idiots are telling us we have global warming. They've proven their depravity, their ignorance, their rebellion, and their total confusion on the simplest of subjects. There's no global warming. Step outside for 15 minutes and come back in. This is South Carolina. You should get a sunburn. You can play tennis in T-shirts and shorts. Sometimes in January in South Carolina. What in the world's going on right now? We have a visitor from Florida. He said it hit 17 degrees. 19? 19 degrees. At his home in Florida over the last week. We had the Word of God. This is the character of them. That's why they demonstrate. That's why they demand things their way. Why don't they keep their little perverseness at home? Because they want to force it on the rest of us to accept them. They want to force it on the nation. They want rights as perverts. The word of God. Let's go back to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. You know where it came from. He just gave them up to those lusts. Then they give themselves over to them. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. It's quite dishonorable. Just think about it. Or do we need to take you to a humane society where you can watch two dogs at work? You say, why are you so base in your conversation? Really? Do you understand Deuteronomy 23, verses 17 and 18? And can you interpret them for me? Deuteronomy 23, verses 17 and 18. God has a name for them. It's in Deuteronomy twenty-three, seventeen and eighteen. And with the light that passage can put into your mind, then you can read Revelation twenty-one and find out why they're outside the Holy City. Amen. They're dogs. God calls them dogs because they have the character, the goodness, and the position of a dog, which is zero. It's depraved. And terrible. A dog eats its own vomit. A dog in the Bible is the most despicable of God's creatures, along with one other that tied it for worst creation. Pig. Throughout the Bible, God compares the most depraved men to dogs and pigs. And he calls sodomites dogs in Deuteronomy 23, Verses 17 and 18, and again in Revelation 21, when he's describing those that are outside the holy city. Through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. This is beautiful. They wouldn't give God honor. He's going to take away their honor. Man can be quite honorable, because we were made in the image of God. A man who's fulfilling his role properly is an honorable man. There are honorable men and there are honorable women mentioned in the Bible by that adjective. But God takes away that honor so that they dishonor themselves by sodomy between their own bodies. God said it is dishonoring. Anyone that does it is dishonorable. The act is dishonoring. God said so. Romans one twenty four, And the intent is very clear. They wouldn't give me glory. I'll make them inglorious. They wouldn't give me honor. I'll take the honor from them that they had. They walk upright. They don't crawl on all fours. I, he, I made them different. And yet they stoop down and crawl and back up to each other like four-footed beasts. I will dishonor them. Honor is man-woman and opposite-sex intimacy. Hebrews 13.4 says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Someone will say, but that marriage that it uses in Hebrews 13.4, how do you know it's not two men? How do you know it's not two women? By the other 31,100 verses in a Bible, that's how. Why would you even ask the question? I can tell you about your future. I can tell you what you're going to be doing before you get to die. If you want to raise that kind of skeptical scorn against the Word of God, marriage is honorable in all. If you want to find that about marriage? Then go back to Genesis chapter 2. Because God made Eve for Adam, not Steve. And He brought the woman to Adam, and the two of them became one flesh. And that was called Adam's wife. Brethren, this nation is going to hell, as Psalm 917 said about all nations that forget God. Our children cannot go with it. And what I'm saying right now needs to be taught to our children. I know they're a little young in some cases, but when they're too young, it goes in one ear and out the other because they have no vocabulary nor experience to even connect with the words. But they need to be taught as they grow up to stand against our nation who has turned its back on God and God has turned His back on them and God has rewired them and is dishonoring the nation in front of our very eyes. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. And I don't mean because I just blew on the choir and they fell out of their chairs. When I say give God the glory, I mean it from a passage of the Holy Scriptures about Him describing how great He is. The Bible doesn't know much difference between sodomy and bestiality. Do you know that our nation is now so so perverted and so profane, and God has rewired them so severely, that when a man is caught in the act of bestiality, or a woman is caught in the act of bestiality, do you know how they prosecute the crime? They prosecute the crime through the laws under the category of cruelty to animals. If you don't believe me, I will fill your little inbox with some interesting reading. But you'll have to forgive me before I click send. If you think I'm joking, you are ignorant. Do you know what they ought to be doing to those guilty of bestiality? Tearing them apart piece by piece on MTV. On the front lawn of the White House. Nebuchadnezzar would have. And he was a glorious king. God said he was. What do you think Nebuchadnezzar would have done if one of his male attendants had tried something on him? Yeah. Think about it. It's pleasant just to the thought. This is the word of the Lord. Right here. They're doing it right in front of us. God said, The seven nations that occupy the land of Canaan are so wicked... And you can read about it in Leviticus chapter 18 and Leviticus chapter 20. You can read about it there. And their sins are brought to a climax by two. Sodomy, bestiality. God said that they are so wicked that if Israel doesn't hurry up and get their act together and get in there to annihilate them, the land itself is going to vomit them out. What is he saying right now about America? I want to, Let's make a little comparison. What did the Canaanites have in the way of revelation about God compared to what Americans have had. The saying has been stated, and it's quite accurate. If God doesn't judge America soon, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. We would never presume to tell God when or what he has to do. But we understand from Scripture that this nation deserves it. God has chosen to dishonor them. There is nothing gay about it. It is dishonorable. Do you know what it's called in 1 Corinthians chapter 6? It's called abusing yourself with mankind. It's abuse. It's misusing something against its natural accepted use. Abusing themselves with mankind. Their mankind is meaning the male sex, as it's going to mean in this passage. Why did God do this to them? Because they changed the truth of God into a lie. Verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. Who is worshipped in our society? Think, think about it. Who is worshipped? Who are called the stars of our society that we worship? Hollywood entertainers? Are they worshipped? When they go someplace, do people just Scream! <laughs> scream! To see Mick Jagger in all of his glory. Mickey, who's worshipped? How about the athletes? They worship athletes. They worship entertainers. Actresses, actors, singers. Worship them. Worship businessmen. Worship educators. But they don't worship the God that created them all who worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator. Yes, I know what verse 25 is talking about. It's talking about idolatry. It's talking about what's been contained in the passage. But, you know, we need to apply this to America as well. We need to see the practical implication. Is the truth of God being changed in our generation? Most of the pulpits in America this morning are changing the truth of God. They will not preach that. They will not preach these five verses. They have turned the grace of God into sacramentalism of Rome. They have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness by once saved, always saved. They have turned the grace of God into Pelagianism and Arminianism. They have turned God's sovereign grace into the fatalistic, instrumental guise of Calvinism. They've turned God's election of some into conditional election or universalism of all being saved. They've turned God's reverent worship into mere casual or contemporary entertainment. They've turned God's hatred of sodomites and sodomy into love of them and their acts. As shown by the sodomites that are ordained, taken as members, same-sex marriages defended, and the MCC churches. The faith was once delivered to the saints, and we better hold fast to it. There is a practical lesson coming out of this 25th verse. We had better not change the truth that God has delivered to us. God holds His truth inviolate. Truth does not change. The truth may tell us a different form of worship, like the Old Testament compared to the New Testament, but the truth never changed. Right. The truth was all along that there was a better form of worship than the Old Testament, and that it was coming with the Lord Jesus Christ and His apostles. That's right. They worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator. And how should we end this sermon? Who is blessed forever. Our God is blessed forever. Paul brings in right now, blessed forever. Why would He say blessed forever right now? Because if you think that we are lowering or degrading the God of the Bible with the description of verses 24 and 25, He is blessed forever. God is holy and just and righteous and pure and good and equitable and upright in all that we have described from verses 24 and 25. And I think He's very creative and he's marvelous in what he's brought to pass on those that say there is no God. We came from monkeys. We can do whatever we want. Our lives are our own. Not quite. Who is blessed forever? Who turns those that profess themselves to be wise into being fools? Who is blessed forever? Who turns men that know better by nature into wanting another man's backside. Who is blessed forever. Who take those that reject the Creator and make them dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who is blessed forever. Who rewires men's minds sexually. Who is blessed forever. And amen. Romans 1.25. May the Lord bless. May the blessed God bless the preaching of his word.